right now the power of words come on say it like you mean it come on the power of words but come on let's make it personal you ready the power of my words power of my words that one hurt just a little bit more didn't it it's easy just to say the power of words but when we shrink it down to perhaps our words maybe it makes us feel a little bit more uncomfortable I'm so excited about this series I really believe this is so powerful and so impacting and life-changing for so many of you. And we began this series just before Mother's Day. We had a great break in our series last week, Mother's Day. And we honor every one of our mums. And if you weren't able to make it here with us, we missed you. We honor you. You are awesome. Every day really is Mother's Day. Amen. It needs to be because there's no days off for every one of you. And we honor you for that. But one thing that you would have missed if you were not here for the first sermon is this. Are you ready? Give me a drum roll. Come on. Come on, drum rolls. Drum rolls here. Are you ready? Here's what you would have missed. Satan knows he cannot destroy you. Satan knows that he cannot destroy your life. And that's a good thing because if he could, he would have. He would have already taken you and I out because any threat he wants to eliminate. But he cannot destroy or he could not destroy you. So what does he do? If Satan can't destroy us, then what? He leaves us alone. He goes home and he says enough is enough. I wish. So what does he do? He uses our own mouths against ourselves. Come on, he uses our words, our words, my words, your words. He uses our own words against ourselves. In other words, you end up doing his job for him. The picture we've got is Satan like going around trying frantically hard to work. And I wonder if the picture's more Satan's kicked back and a lazy boy, come on, with his remote in his hand, come on, flicking, watching the sports, watching the TV. Why? Because he can just kick back and relax. Why? Because he's given you the green light and you're doing a good job with your own math. And he's just leaving you alone just to do all the damage that you can do. And it's amazing, we've got to realize this, and we've got to be aware of this. The Bible speaks, lest Satan take advantage of us, we cannot be ignorant of his devices. We cannot be taken advantage of anymore, so we need to say enough is enough. We need to realize that we need to get back control of our mouths and them not be a tool that Satan is using, and we're doing a good job for him. And that's why we've got to realize our words are disconnectors or connectors. They will disconnect us or connect us in relationships with other people. You know, the biggest problems in marriages today is the words that we're speaking to each other. The communication that instead of connecting, instead of building, instead of enhancing, instead of helping, instead of nurturing, we're destroying, we're bringing damnation and destruction because we are tearing down with the words we say. 
And it's a bigger problem than just our words. If it was just our words, that would be one thing. But what we discovered last week from Matthew 12 is this out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's not just a mouth problem. A mouth is just a symptom of the real problem. And the real problem is a heart problem. Come on, it's a heart attack. It's a full out attack against our heart as Satan wants to steal away our affections and our closeness to God. When paramedics show up on the scene of an accident, the first thing they're not saying is, man, I like those shoes. Where'd you get those from? Come on, they don't care about how that person's dressed. They don't care about their hairstyle. Well, that's pretty cool. Like that color. What do you do with that? They don't care. What's the first thing they look for? What's going on with the heart? Is there a pulse? Why? Because they know that's the beginning of life. Because if there is no heartbeat, if there is no pulse, there is no life. Why does Satan go against our words and want to use our words? Because he wants to destroy the source of our life. And what is that? He wants to destroy our hearts and to take our hearts away. What is the, screen, the theme scripture that we've been using for this month? It's James 3 verse 10. James 3 verse 10 says this, Out of the same mouth proceeds, are you ready, different words. Different things come out of the same mouth. What are they? The Bible says blessings and cursings come from the same mouth. Two completely opposite things come from the same source. And he says, my brethren, brothers and sisters, he says, these things ought not to be so. I like one translation that says, this is not right. Come on, I want to go on record and say it's not right. It's not right that we use our mouths as a two-edged sword, that one way we're blessing and then the next moment we're cursing. James says this is not right and that's what this series is all about. We want to put right what's wrong in our lives. We want to make a change and realize that it's time that we start taking responsibility for the actions and the words of our life and realizing that we need a heart change. We need God to work in our lives so he can bring about a great change. Why? Because there's power in our words. They're either creative and connecting or they're devastating and disconnecting. So what are you saying? Wasn't that the challenge we said the first week? What are you saying? What is it that you are really saying? Because your life is going to be the product or the sum total of the words you speak. If you're living in negativity right now, guess what? It's because of the words of negative or negative words that you've spoke. If you're living in depression right now, it's because of the words that you're speaking over your life. Why? Because your life, I really believe this, is going to be the sum total and the product of the words that you speak over your life. If you find yourself right now walking into a room and people turn around and walk out, if you find yourself lately getting more voicemails than you ever got before, then maybe you need to check your content of your mouth. Amen? Because there's a reason why people run when you come. Come on, there's a reason why people don't want to talk to you. Thank God for caller ID. Nearly had them on the phone. That would have been a long, hard one. Come on, check the content of your life. What are you saying? Because we want to blame everyone else. I can't believe they walked out. I can't believe they did that to me. No, you're the one that's doing it to yourself. Check your mouth, the content, what you say. I believe it's time that we raise the standard of what we say. I think it's time that we up the game with our mouth. 
And that we raise the standard with what we say. And not only just really what we say, but even how we say it. Because you can say the right thing the wrong way. Hello? So we need to raise the standard of what we say. And I believe in raising the standard of what we say, guess what else will happen? The standard of our life will increase. Our relationships will be better. Come on, our marriages will be better than they've ever been before. Our children, our relationship with them will be greater. Come on, our work experience, just our neighborhood, just everything. Our whole lives will be completely different. Why? As we raise the standard of our words, notice it affects every other aspect and area of our lives. If your life is not as high as where it needs to be, raise the standard of your words. Oh, well, Pastor Philip, I can't believe you're saying that because this is all that psychobabble stuff. You just blab it and grab it and name it and claim it. No, this is the truth of God's word because we're going to discover that your words are seeds and you're only going to produce after its own kind. So the seeds you sow is the harvest that you're going to reap back. So I want to raise the standard. I want to lift the game. Has any of you ever been having a great day? I mean, you had your cereal, you had your Wheaties in the morning, you got your coffee, you're feeling energized, you slept great. Come on, it's a great day. You got a day off, you got nothing planned. Everything is great. And all of a sudden, you get a text or a word from someone, and it absolutely your whole day. Anyone ever had that experience? You're on top of the world. You're riding high. It's great. Wow, I'm loving life. And all of a sudden, just a simple one-liner or just a simple word hits you. And all of a sudden, you are just absolutely destroyed. Then there's the other side. Have you ever been in a destroyed place? I mean, have you ever felt really miserable? Have you ever thought, oh God, is the sun ever going to shine again? Am I ever going to make it? And someone comes along and they speak an encouragement into you. Come on, you've walked into church. You had a really rough week. And someone just puts their arm on you and says, man, you're so awesome. You're so special. Have you ever been lifted by a word? Have you ever been encouraged by a word? Isn't it amazing the power that there are in words? That a word can absolutely take us from the top to the very bottom. Or a word can take us from the very bottom and take us to the top. Come on, we've got to watch what we're speaking. We've got to watch that we're speaking life and the life for other people too. And I want to talk today about this. Words, good or bad, they last forever. Words, good or bad, they last forever. I love this quote. I came across this this week from Dorothy Neville. It says this, The real art of conversation is not only saying the right thing in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Isn't that cool? First service, some people were taking their phones out and kind of taking a screenshot of that. That's powerful right there. Come on, the real art of conversation is not only saying the right things in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong things at the tempting moments. Come on, we all have tempting moments where we really want to say what we really think. We really have those tempting moments where they opened the door, they let me in. That's our justification. Those moments where I'm just going to let them have it. Here it is, just going to fire off on both barrels. Come on, we all have those tempting moments. I want to be honest with you. Church is a good place to be honest, isn't it? Good place to start with that. Since the last message, I've really been working on this. I've really been working on this because there's a lot of things and opportunities that you have to say things. But sometimes 
Not saying those things speaks louder than when you say those things. So I found myself where I would ordinarily say something, I found myself zipping it and smiling. Come on, just practice that. Inside you're wanting to scream out, but you're just zipping it and you're just smiling. You're just holding that thought, you're holding that word. Oh, it wasn't that I was going to be wrong with what I said, but it was just going to be said in the wrong way. Come on, think about this as parents. How many parents do we have in the house? What is one of the biggest responsibilities and requirements of God that is laid upon us as parents? Here it is. Are you ready? To educate and to direct our children. Is that correct? To set them straight. So if they're doing wrong, we don't turn a blind eye. What do we do? We address the situation. We correct it. Sometimes we have to kind of knock them back on track. Come on, give them that kind, gentle nudge back. It's our responsibility, therefore, to correct them, but not crush them. To correct, but not crush or destroy. That can be tough at times. I said that can be tough at times, and sometimes our correction can be crushing to them. That we have to correct But sometimes we can do it in a way that destroys them. If we are crushing the spirits of our kids, that is never going to encourage them to do better in their lives. And I'm just being honest with you right now. This is something that God has really been dealing with me. I'm still learning with this. Because it's so easy to see all our faults and shortcomings in our kids and those around us. It's so easy to see them. And many times they're bigger than perhaps the good. But we just see those at the expense of perhaps the good that has been done. So, oh yes, we're correcting because God's called us to do that. But we've got to watch in the correction. We're not crushing. Everyone with me with that? Where is that? That's tough to sometimes find where that is. Because, well, I've got to do this. I'm the parent. I've got to say this. I've got to take a stand because what they're saying, what they're doing is wrong. Yes, I'm not saying don't do anything, but I'm saying watch how you do it. Watch how you do it, and you do it in the right manner. Why? Because we're not just thinking about today. We're building for the future. And to destroy and to crush is not the product. That's not a productive way for their future and to build them. And here's something that happened in our house just a couple of weeks ago. And, and we just want to be transparent with you and share what goes on in our house too because we're not perfect and, and we have things go on in our house. Maddie, Kelly and I were just having a conversation the other night. I was in the living room. They were in the kitchen. We've got an open plan, floor plan. So really we were kind of all in the same room or the same area with each other. And we were just talking. And in the process of conversation, the thought or the conversation came around to Joel Osteen. We were talking about, I don't know if there was a commercial on TV or something that came out about him. And Maddie said these words from the kitchen. She said, she said I watch him every night at 11.30 p.m. And then she started saying, here's my Bible. I am what it says it is. I am. And she started going through everything that he says. And you know what my reply was? Shamefully, can I give you my reply? And that was this. What are you doing being up at 11.30 at night when you need to be asleep? You need to turn your TV off and you need to go to sleep at a decent time so you can wake up at a decent time and quit being tired all the time. Come on, does that sound like a parent? Come on now. Does that sound like anyone else? And Kelly started laughing and she looked at Manny and she said, well, I'm glad you're watching him. She wasn't 
undermining me. But there's a lot of other things that Maddie could have been watching at that time. Come on. She was glad that at least if she's up at that time, she's filled her spirit with something that's going to edify her and build her. So how should I have responded? Here's how I should have responded. Are you ready? Maddie, I'm really glad that you're watching him. He's a good guy. He's got a great message. He's doing great and awesome things. But you know what? You really need to try to be turning the TV off earlier at night and going to bed earlier. Why? Because you can't burn the candle at both ends. You can't be up late at night and then be expect to be up in the morning. He's a good guy. DVR it. Come on, wake up at five o'clock in the morning when you're praying. Come on and put him on and watch him then. Do you see the difference? I could say and justify, well, I said the right or the same thing. Well, I did. But you know what? The way I said it was crushing. The way I brought it out was not correcting, but it was more crushing her. My words were meant well. I had her heart. I was thinking about her. I meant well with my words, but my words were kind of mean and more attacking. And I've got to watch that. We've all got to watch that. And trust me, I want you to know something. We're in this together. Anytime I preach a message, I want you to know you almost get the blessing of the message because you get to have it in a corporate setting. I get this one-on-one with God. Come on, God just like shows up and he rakes me over the coals and he deals with this. Why? Because I don't believe in preaching a message to you that God hasn't first dealt with me in my heart about. Because I don't want to stand up here ever and be a hypocrite. And deal and talk about things that, you know, my life I'm not living or I'm not a part of. Have I arrived in every place, in every situation? No, I haven't. But guess what? Together we will arrive. And we're going to continue to learn and we're going to continue to grow together. Why? Because we've all got to get this together. We're all learning. It's easy for you to look and say, wow, I wish he had his life. I wish he had his family. Man, they must be perfect. Let me tell you something. Six kids. Do I need to say any more? Come on, six kids. And let me add this, a seventh kid, a stinking dog. Do I need to add any more? A dog that doesn't want to listen to you. Do I need to say any more? Come on, we have struggles just like every one of you. We have those little envelopes come in our mailbox too with windows. Anyone know the window mail? Come on, they're always asking for something from you. You owe me this amount of money. And if you don't pay this, then your lights are going to be off or you're not going to have this or that. We get those same things like you do. Because why? We're all in this together. I need this as much as you need this. Because why? We need to be constantly every day saying, God, would you perfect me? So the words that we say and how we say them, when it comes to words, every one of us deals with it in some way. That's what I love about a message like this, because there's no one sitting here that can say, oh, next month maybe he'll hit what's going on in my life. Listen, every one of us, are dealing with words that we say that we wished we hadn't said or that we wished we'd said in a different way. We are all dealing with words. And every one of us has got a long way to go in this. And that's why we're preaching truth from God's Word. Why? To help move you along the process. 
that when you come out of this series, you're going to be a different person to where you went in. Come on, that's the power of God's word. It changes and transforms our life, as DJ said, when we apply it to our lives. If we just sleep with the Bible on our chest and expect it magically to come into us, come on, it's not going to happen. We can't study by osmosis. Come on, right now, we can't get the word of God inside of us. But you know what we do? We take it and we practically apply it to our life. And that's how we get it into our our heart. That's how we get it into our lives. And to be honest with every one of us, I'm sure if every one of us was honest today, and I'm going to ask for a show of hands. I just know my hand's up already, okay? It's waiting for your response. How many of you would be honest today and say, you know what? I'm tired of my math. Come on, I'm tired of my math. I'm tired of saying the wrong things. Come on, keep those hands up nice and high. Just tired of my math. It's not that all my math is all bad and it's not that I'm all wrong, but I'm just tired of it. Well, here's my answer to that. If we're tired of it, let's do something about it. Come on, let's do something. For all of you who are honest and put your hands, we're going to do something about it. And for all of you who were dishonest and didn't put up your hands, you're dealing with your mouth too. And we're going to pray for you that God would just touch your life and that He would save you and make you realize that. Because guess what? We all battle here. Have you ever said these words? You've been in conversation. Usually you say this with someone you know, like someone you're closer to. Have you ever said these words? Can I just kind of freely speak to you? Can we just chat? Can I just tell you something? Not supposed to tell you, but can I just talk to you? Come on, have we ever said some kind of word similar to that? Can we just kind of freely speak? Can I just get something off my chest? Can I just vent? Can I just get this out? It's amazing. You know what that usually means? It usually means a person is seeking permission to set aside tact and diplomacy and get brutally honest. They're not trying to be diplomatic. They're not trying to be tactful. They just want to be brutally honest and just say it with no filter. Anyone there? Take the filter off. Let me just be free. Can I just speak filter free? Freely Almost means this. Are you ready? At no cost. Can I speak at no cost is really what they're saying. It's really what we say. Can I speak freely at no cost? I want you to know something today. It is impossible to use words recklessly and indiscriminately without costing you something or costing someone something. There are no such thing, therefore, as we're going to discover in a few moments, as free words. Free words. What was the scripture from last time? Matthew 12, 36, it says, But I say to you that for every idle word, if you take the smallest word of the least significance of your life or conversations that you've ever had with anyone, God says, that's the place I start at the smallest, most insignificant, and from there we go. God says, even from those places, you're going to have to give an account for the words. One day, every one of you is going to have to give an account for what you speak out of your mouths. Watch out. And that's why today I want to expose three lies concerning words that Satan hopes every Christian will come to believe. Are you ready? We're going to expose three lies concerning words that Satan wants every Christian 
To come to believe. And to expose means what? That we set to light. We bring to light those things. Why? So we can put you in a stronger position to avoid the deception and the damage that those words can bring. Have you ever been in a room, like in your house, in the middle of the night, and you've got up to go to the restroom, got up to do something, and it's amazing, you think you know where all the furniture is, and you have it all planned out, and you mapped it out, and the next thing you stub your toe on the end of the, ca- the bed, or you trip over a toy, plenty of toys on the floor in our house with Jude, a 19 month, leaving stuff everywhere, you never know what you're going to go flying on. And what do you do? You try so carefully to go around, but it's hard when it's dark and you can't see. Messages like this do what? They turn on the lights. Well, that's so much easier. So what do I do? I can maneuver. Here's the question I want to ask is when you turn on the light, does it magically remove the toy? Does it remove the obstacles? Does it change everything that now you've got a straight, direct pathway? No, there's still the obstacles. There's still the pitfalls. But guess what? You don't have to stumble and trip and hurt yourself anymore because you can see now to step around those things and to deal with those things. I would love to tell you that you would never have another problem with your math if you put to place everything that we're going to talk to you. But I'm telling you, there's going to be pitfalls and there's going to be opportunities every day. But when the lights are turned on, come on, we don't don't have to stub our toe there anymore and say the wrong thing. We don't have to respond in the wrong way any longer. That we can avoid that and we can make it through safely. And that's what we want to do today. Turn on the lights of your life so you can make it safely. That you can see the lies and you can see what Satan wants to throw at you. So here they are. You ready? Three things. Number one, I have the right to free speech. I have the right to free speech. Now trust me, I'm not trying to take away your right according to the First Amendment of the Constitution. Because this nation's or this nation was built upon rights, what we have, and the First Amendment of the Constitution gives us this. Are you ready? Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press, and freedom of assembly. As an American, under the Constitution, that's our God-given right, we say. Kind of strange, an English guy giving you an American history lesson. But it's okay, I'm a U.S. citizen now, so there you go. Got some right, okay? So we should be glad of that freedom, shouldn't we? We should be glad of the freedom that the Constitution, the amendments, what they've presented to each and every one of us. We should be glad that we live in a nation which we can freely say things. I thank God that we live in that nation. Why? Because it gives me the opportunity to be able to share the gospel. Yes, it gives a Muslim, it gives another false religion, it gives them the opportunity to stand up and say what they want and to be what they want. But guess what? I cannot be offended by that. Why? Because they're free gives me the right to freedom. I thank God that their freedom is wrong and what they're saying is wrong, but I get the opportunity to share, to expose the darkness. Come on, we don't curse the darkness, we light a candle. Do you understand that? And that's a freedom that's been given to us. We live in a nation which the rulings and the authorities, they're really prohibited from telling us what we can or cannot say. And I know that's been in question lately. And I know they're trying everything they can. I know now certain places and certain areas, if you speak the word of God, it's regarded that you're doing a hate crime because you're being hateful. Listen, we're not being hateful. We're speaking the truth in love. And in order to expose darkness, come on, love is that which covers and uncovers a multitude of sins. 
But thank God for the freedoms that we have. Thank God that our freedoms were fought for and won and have been defended at an enormous sacrifice. But I want you to hear something today. And that is this. In your freedom, that does not give you the right to be able to say whatever you want. As an American, that's our constitutional right. But as a child of God, we're going to see something else. You see, as Christians, we've got to understand this. We not only live under the laws of the place where we live, where we're born. In our case, in America, we're living under the laws of this nation. But guess what? As a child of God, as a Christian, we are also subject to spiritual laws. Or really, better said, biblical principles. So it's not just following the laws of the land. It's also following the instructions and the principles that God sets in place in his word. So as children of God, here we are. You ready? We're dual citizens. We're citizens of heaven. But yet we're also citizens of this earth. I'm an American and a Christian. Come on, I'm British and a Christian. We are dual citizens in this world. And what is God's principles? If you want to say the principles of God's word in the subject matter of what we're covering in the power of our words or in our words, what do God's principles say in recordance to our words? Are you ready? Words matter. They have weight. What we say counts For something. They literally carry a spiritual weight, and we are going to be held accountable for every word we say. Whether we claim our right under the Constitution, we are still going to be held responsible before God to give an account for the words that we say and how we use them. In other words, we can't just say anything we want. We cannot just say anything we want without consequence. Without consequence. It matters what you say. You see, your words are seeds. And there's something about a seed. A seed is sown, but a harvest of seeds comes back. Not just one seed, but a multiple of seeds come back. Our words are seeds. It matters what we say because what we say produces the harvest that we're going to reap and we're going to see in our lives. You cannot just say anything you want without receiving back the harvest from the seeds of the words you have said. Look what it says in Matthew 12, verse 37. He goes on to say, For by your words you are going to be justified And by your words, you will be condemned. That word justified is a legal term signifying to acquit, to declare righteous. So by your words, you are either deemed righteous and godly and right. Or by your words, you are what? Bringing condemnation upon yourself. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how long you've been saved, how much money you've got in the bank. It doesn't matter anything like that. All that matters is this. Every one of us are going to be held accountable for every word we say. That's why the psalmist says it this way in Psalms 141 verse 3. The psalmist says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I like what New Living Translation says, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my 
lips. Take control, God, of the words I say. What a great prayer that would be for us to pray every day over our lives. That would be a great scripture to have on the mirror in our bathroom. That would be a great scripture to have on the dash of our car. But come on, don't cover the speedo and say, well, I didn't know, officer, I was speeding because my pastor told me to put a scripture on the dash of my car. But wouldn't that be a great one to say every day, God, take control of what I say and God, guard my lips. And that's why we've got to watch because we say, can I speak freely? And here's the term that we use now, isn't it? Can I vent? Can I, can I just vent? Can I just let it all out? Is it okay? I want you to know something right now. Again, it's not okay just to say what we want to say, just to get it off our chest. When we say, well, as long as I'm saying I'm just venting, they know who I am. They know what's going on. They know that. Listen, you can speak freely all you think you're doing. But I'm telling you, you are really speaking costly. You are speaking costly because you're going to have to give an account. Now, there are times I know that you need to get things off your chest. There's a confidence. There's someone that you need to talk to and that you need to share and you need to be open with people. I understand that. But even in that state, it doesn't give you the right to say whatever you want. You still need to consider what you say. And you still got to watch who you're saying that to. Please watch who you are saying those things to. Because the wrong words in the wrong hands can become a weapon that's used back against your life. I thought they were my friend. How many times have we said that? I thought they were my friend and I freely spoke. How much did that cost you? See, there's no such thing as a free word. There's no such thing as a freedom of speech telling you, you're going to have consequences for what you say, and you're going to be held accountable to them. And now we live in a whole new other area when it comes to this. It's not just the words we say, but we've got to go here too. Are you ready? Social media. Come on, text, email, anything like that. That's a whole new world that has just opened up. And I'm telling you right now, social media, any thing like that is never a medium to use to vent and to get your feelings out for everyone else. Come on, I've got to say that again. You should never use that as an avenue. That wasn't what it was created for. Oh, but it felt good and I'm sharing exactly what I feel and I'm just responding to all them. You know what? I wonder how many people's lives that you've really touched through venting through social media. Come on, I wonder how many people, and I'm going to answer the question, But I'm going to ask you it anyway. How many lives have you inspired? How many lives have you drawn to God through your venting about everything that's going wrong all around you? How many people have you brought to Christ through that? Can I tell you a big fat zero? All you've done is make people who are already cynical more cynical about God, more cynical about Christianity, more negative about the world that they live in. You haven't moved them down the scale. You've moved them off the scale maybe. And I wonder how many people today don't know God. They don't even know who you are, but you've ruined it for them to know God because of the venting that you've done in response to something else. And it felt good at the time, but at the end you end up causing destruction and damnation. Come on, you've got to watch Social media, you got to get it right. Oh, I felt better for that. It's not just about you feeling better. What happens when it hits someone else? 
Here's a great thing for every one of you. Are you ready? You need to take this down. Here's the practical things like DJ was talking about earlier. You want something practical? Here it is. Before you post, think. Come on, say with me, think. What do I mean by before you post, think? Here it is. You ready? Think. What's the T? Ask yourself this. Is it truthful? Is it truthful? And even if it is, you don't skip the rest because then you're just teeing. You're not really thinking. Come on, you're not going through it all. You're just at one part of it. If it is truthful, then you move on to the rest. If it's not truthful, then you just leave it alone, period. You don't try and make it truthful. It either is or it isn't. And a part truth, come on, is a whole lie. Come on now. If it's partially true, it means it's still wrong. So think about it and ask yourself this. Is it truthful? What's the second thing? The H. Ask yourself this. Is it helpful? And ask yourself in this light, not just for you, but for everyone. Oh, it's helpful for me because I've got it off my chest. But is it going to be helpful to someone else who's around you? Here's the third thing, the I. Is it inspiring? Is it going to lift up someone? Is it going to leave a deposit in someone's life that's going to bring her back a great change? Come on, a great return for their life. You've got to ask yourself that. Here's the end. Are you ready? Is it necessary? Oh, yes, pastor, it's necessary. I can't believe it. Listen, ask yourself this question. Will it still be necessary tomorrow? How many times have we reacted and responded when the next day we would have probably done something completely different? Why? Because don't just do a knee-jerk response. Go through the process. And say, is it still going to be necessary tomorrow when I've cooled my jets and I'm really thinking logically about it? And I'm telling you, 99% of the time, it's not still going to be necessary tomorrow. Oh, I showed them. Yeah, you did today. You showed them your true light and you perhaps blew any opportunity they have for a glorious tomorrow. And the last thing is this, K. Is it kind? Is it kind? Come on, you've got to think before you post. Come on, apply those filters to your life. Because saying the wrong thing, no matter where you say it, how you say it, to who you say it, will never make you feel better. It may make you feel good for the moment, but then you're going to start regretting it and you're going to be convicted for that and you're going to feel miserable as a result. Come on, go through the process And realize this, what? I don't just have freedom of speech to say whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want, to whoever I want. Psalms 141 verse 3, again, that great prayer. Come on, guard my mouth. Put a protection over my lips. I love Psalms 39 verse 1. It says, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Wow, that wouldn't be a bad thing for some of us, would it? To put a muzzle over our mouths. Just to silence our mouths, lest I sin with my mouth. So listen, if you're going to vent, here's where you need to vent. Are you ready? Vent up. Come on, give it to God. If you want to get something off your chest, give it to someone who can give you the peace that you need. 
Give it to someone who can give you the answers that you need. Give it to God. I love the Bible. It says, 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it says, Cast all your care upon him, all your venting, all your frustrations, your anxieties, your concerns, your worries. Give it to God. Cast it onto him. Why? For he cares for you. You know what that verse is saying? God says, I've got your back. Come on, you give it to me and I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. I'll fix it. I'll do whatever needs to be. Because when we give it to God, then it's placed in the hands that can truly work and can truly move that thing. Listen to the scripture from Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord amongst the brethren. God is saying in this passage, these are things that I hate, but more than just I hate. He says, these are things that are an abomination to me. These aren't just to slap you on the wrist, you naughty boy. These are things that God says, wow, they absolutely break my heart. God is saying, this is nothing even close to the representation of who I am. This isn't even close to who I am. And God is saying, we're supposed to represent him. And it breaks God's heart when we act in the wrong way, showing people a wrong God instead of the true God. And God says, I hate this. I det- Test this. Come on. This is an abomination. That's strong terminology right there that God is using. It's amazing in the list of seven. And incidentally, there aren't just seven things. But for the reference of this scripture, there are. But in those seven things that are given there, it's amazing that three of those things he hates are sins of our mouth. Or sins with our mouth. The words we say. Therefore, you and I have got to realize there's not freedom of speech. Don't believe the lie of the enemy because there's nothing free about it. It's going to end up costing you. Lie number two. Are you with me? Lie number two. I was only joking. Come on, have you ever said that? I was only joking. We use that as an excuse to be able to say whatever we want. And then as long as we just tag it with I was only joking, then it's almost like our words didn't matter. It didn't mean anything because I didn't really mean it anyway. Listen, if you don't mean it in the first place, then don't even say it. Even if you're joking about it, don't say it. But unfortunately, most people say it in a joking manner to try and kind of lessen the blow. And then when it doesn't go good, what's their fallback? Well, at least I was just joking. Or here's what they say. For goodness sake, what's wrong with you? Can't you even take a joke? Stop being so sensitive. Get a lie. Come on, even if you are saying it in a joking manner, you're still going to be held accountable for those words. Joking doesn't mean you can say anything insensitively or manipulatively or insulting. It doesn't mean that you can just get away, that you can say anything you want. And as long as I just say, well, I was only joking, then it's okay. How many times have we perhaps done that with people close to us? We've made a dig. I was just making a dig. It was nothing big. I was just playing around. That's not playing when you're playing with someone's emotions in their future. It's not saying, that's not playing when you are destroying people with words that you could be building and helping them. You know, the Bible says something about this too. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I think you need to read it every day. Because everything you can ever need for life, the answer is in God's Word. The answer is in God's Word. 
Proverbs 26, verse 18 and 19 says this, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. New Living Translation says, Just as damaging as a madman shooting deadly weapons is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Think about this. It's like someone coming into your house and shooting you with an arrow up the side of the head and laughing and saying, Sorry, I was only joking. How many wouldn't think that was a joke? It's not a joke to us, is it? And just because they're tagged, it was saying, I was only joking. No big deal. Guess who's still left with the wound? Guess who's still affected by the joke? Ha, 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 ha. Was only joking, but guess who's still carrying the wound? I love how the Message Bible, the Message Bible paints it in a whole different picture. And incidentally, the Message Bible is not a literal translation. It's like a paraphrase. And I think sometimes it says some good things. And here's what the Message Bible says. You read it? It says, people who shrug off deliberate deception saying, I didn't mean it. I was only joking are worse than a careless camper who walks away from a smoldering campfire. What a picture that paints. A smoldering campfire. We used to go on expeditions and we were trained that even when we had had a fire that night, we never left our campsite without putting dirt or water over the fire. Why? Because it could appear to us that the whole fire had burnt out. But there could be just one little glowing ember that could be on the bottom that could reignite at any time and it could set on blaze a whole forest. It could destroy any surrounding. Come on, we've witnessed it on TV. Was it California last year and the fires were sweeping through? I believe it was started by Someone who just threw a cigarette out of the window of their car. Just a little ember, but it went on fire. Luke last night was lighting some sparklers. And I said to him, son, when you finish, make sure and put them in the trash. And I was just driving off when he was about to put them away. And I said, Luke, don't put them in the trash like that. I said, because there's still a smoldering ember. I could see the red ember. What would have happened if he had thrown them in the trash just like that? He could have set our whole house on fire just from a small little ember. What do you do with a situation like that? You put them under water, come on, or you leave them out till the next day. You make sure it's dead. But what a picture that we see that someone who just says it was a joke, it meant nothing. What does it have? It has the potential to destroy. It has the potential to be catastrophic. Come on, at any time it can blow up. At any time it can come ablaze and cause destruction and damnation to anyone in its path. So I was just kidding. I was joking. Won't get you off the hook. But it sure can still bring great damage and destruction to others around us. Especially those close to us. Especially those who are close to us. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say to them right now, just say nothing. Don't say nothing. Just look at them. That's what we need to learn to do more of. Instead of always turning and having something to say. Just sometimes adapt that posture of knowing when to keep our mouths shut and when we need to respond. Because I don't have freedom of speech. And I can't just tag anything I say with, ha ha, it's only joking. Because an arrow in the side of the head doesn't feel like a joke to them. Come on, that doesn't feel like a joke, but that's a malicious attack. Come on, that's a deadly wound that can destroy someone else's life. Are you ready? I'm almost done. The third lie is this. Is this okay today? Even if it's not okay, you're still going to get it anyway. Are you ready? 
The lie the enemy tells you is this, words are only skin deep. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. Because in the process of time, or even by tomorrow, when they wake up, they're going to forget what you say. What a lie that is. What an absolute lie that is. Every time I sit down to write any kind of devotion, any kind of article, or anything, maybe even almost every message I sit down and write, do you know what I hear? I don't hear all the words of blessing that have been spoken over my life and encouragement and support. But you know what plays in my mind every time I sit down to write? And that is this. A teacher's words when I was nine years of age at school. When I'd written an essay on something. And the teacher gave my essay back. And didn't just give me a bad grade. But crushed me with the words she said. And she said to me, Pimlot, you have no imagination. And you will never be able to write. Never be able to write. Never be able to write. Even still to this day, those words go through my mind almost on a daily basis. You'll never be able to write. You see, it wasn't the fact that I didn't have a great imagination I did. If they would have given me an opportunity to stand up in front of the class and speak it out, man, I could have had everyone roaring. We could have been in fantasy land. We could have been here, there. Man, I could have painted an incredible picture and had everyone just in awe of what I was saying. But to take those thoughts and to put them onto paper was where my struggle was. And I thank God that God has helped me in the process of that. But as a child, that was a struggle for me. It's a struggle to get down my thoughts how exactly I wanted them. And to put them into words, my mind went faster than my hand could write. And by the time my hand caught up, those thoughts had gone and they were left and I couldn't almost get them back. But isn't it amazing that we think and we can believe a lie? Oh, it's only skin deep. Oh, they'll get over that. But what we've got to realize is this. Are you ready? The influence of words can live on forever. The influence of our words can live forever. They can have a life long effect. I thank God. And some people may say, well, man, you need to get the victory over that thing. You know what? I don't want to get the victory over that. Because I'm glad that every time I sit down, when those words come, they don't have the same effect on me anymore. Because I know who I am through Christ Jesus. I ask myself, is that truth or a lie? And if it's a lie, I push it aside and I say, that's not who God's word says I am. But you know what? I'm glad that those words still come tomorrow. You know why? Because every time I sit down and write, I have to do it on his strength and not my strength. I have to rely fully on him. That I don't want to get to the place where I can do it all. I want to trust in him. But isn't it amazing how many words today perhaps you haven't got the victory over like I have in my life. And you're still struggling. Maybe today your marriage is not where it needs to be. Why? Because someone spoke words over your life and said, you're just like your dad. You're going to be good for nothing and you're never going to have a good family. You're never going to hold a good job. You're never going to make it. You're never going to be successful. Come on, we've got to shake off the power of those words because that's not the truth of God's word. That's not what we build our life upon. But the enemy wants us to think that we can say whatever we want. And watch this, they're magically, just they evaporate and go that those words leave. But remember, Matthew tells us different, doesn't it? Matthew tells us we're going to have to give an account for those words. That everything that we say is going to either bring Blessing and life to us. There's a reference in Proverbs, and I wish I could find it. I'm going to try hard to find it by the end of the series. But in studying, I was unable to find it. But in Proverbs, paraphrased, it says this. 
It says this, that the mouth of a liar can speak out words and that person can die, but yet their words still live on. Even though they've died, even though they're no longer living, the words that they spoke continue to live on. James 3, 5 through 6 says this, Even the tongue is a little member and it boasts of great things. See how a great fire it kindles. Because the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set amongst its members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And the tongue is set on fire from hell. You've got to speak what you want to live and put to death that which you want to die. You've got to speak the life and not speak that which you want to put to death. I want to close by reading a story of I May today. And this story, I hope, will help you understand this. That what? Bad words do last. But good words can last longer. Come on, bad words can last. But thank God, good words can last longer. Many years ago, a seminary professor was vacationing with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. One morning they were eating breakfast at a little restaurant, hoping to enjoy a quiet family meal. While they were waiting for their food, they noticed a distinguished-looking, white-haired man moving from table to table, chatting with each one of the guests. The professor leaned over to his wife and whispered, I hope he doesn't come over here. But sure enough, the man eventually did amble over to their table. Where are you folks from, he asked in a friendly voice. Oklahoma, the professor replied. Wow, it's great to have you here in Tennessee, the white-haired stranger said. So what is it you do for a living? I teach at a seminary, the professor replied. Oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a really great story for you. And with that, the gentleman, uninvited, pulled up a chair and sat down at the table with the couple. The professor groaned and thought to himself, great, just what I needed. Another cheesy sermon illustration, and I bet I've already heard it. The old gentleman pointed out of the restaurant window and said, do you see that mountain over there? Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a young boy who was born to an unwed mother. He had a very hard time of it growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey boy, who's your daddy? The identity of the illegitimate child's father was a mystery to the town and gossips were constantly trying to solve. So whether he was at school or whether he was at the grocery store, people would ask him the same question, who's your dad, son? Sometimes the question came innocently from a stranger, but usually it was asked out of meanness and spite. Regardless, he heard that question wherever he went, and he dreaded it. He would would hide at recess and at lunchtime from the other students, Many times he would avoid going out in public because those, would hurt, those words would hurt him so badly. On Sunday, the boy would always go to church late and slip out early in order to avoid the disapproving stares 
and the dreaded question, who's your daddy, son? Then when he was about 12 years of age, a new pastor was assigned to his church. And on that day, the pastor finished the benediction so quickly that the boy got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. Just about the time he got to the back door, the preacher saw the unaccompanied child and put his hand on his shoulder and said, Hey there, son, who's your daddy? A sudden hush fell over the exiting crowd. The boy felt his face flush as he sensed every eye in the church looking at him. How would he answer? Now everyone would finally know the answer to the question. The mystery would be solved. This new pastor instantly sensed the awkwardness of the situation and following the prompting from the Holy Spirit, quickly followed his questions with these words. Wait a minute, he said. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance now. You're a child of God. With that, he took hold of the boy's shoulders, looked him square in the eye and said, Son, you have a great inheritance in God your Father. Go and claim it. A smile bigger than what anyone had ever seen flashed across the boy's face as he walked out the church door. He had changed person because of the words that were spoken to him that day. From that day forward, whenever anyone asked him about his dad, he told them, I'm a child of God. The distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said, Isn't that a great story? Touched by the story, the professor admitted, Yes, that's a really good story. As the old man walked away, he turned and offered one final comment. You know, if that pastor hadn't told me that I was one of God's children... I probably would have never amounted to anything. And then he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife were stunned and deeply moved to learn the man had been speaking of himself. They called the waitress over and asked and said, Do you know the older gentleman who just left our table? Who is he? The waitress grinned and said, Of course I know who he is. Everyone knows who he is. That's Ben Hooper. He is the former governor of Tennessee. Words can destroy, but words can bring healing. Words, good or bad, that's where we get the title of this message from. They last forever. It doesn't matter the bad words that have been spoken over your life. Today we speak good words. We speak hope. We speak truth. We speak life. Come on, let them be the words that ring out in your life. Let that be your identity of who you are. Come on, we don't have the freedom to say whatever we want, whenever we want. Come on, we can't just tag it with, I was only joking because there's a dart in the side of their head. Come on, we can't just say, oh, it's only skin deep, it doesn't matter, it's going to be gone. Come on, it lasts forever. And that's why we need to watch the words we say and realize the power that there is in our words. Would you stand to your feet with us today?
would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.